Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. Welcome to another episode of the Only Three Lads podcast, where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. This show is nothing without you, and it's, of course, nothing without the PhD of music, Brett Fargo, (laughs) and the ambassador of love, Bueno. It is nothing without the ambassador. Absolutely. We just lose all the love in the room without the ambassador of love. Oh, we need to love more than just the room, the whole world. Hey, we're spreading it. That's all we yes. can do. That's we all we're doing. It, yep. And people absorb it, and then they spread it, and so on, and so on, and so on. Amongst the things you can spread right now, love's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah, let's take it over. <laughs> That's very true, Brett. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh-huh. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Uh, this week, we are taking a look at our top five songs of 1989. Wow, what a year for music. It was kind of tough for me. I thought it'd be, uh, it'd be easy because what I was going to do, I told you guys this last week, I was not going to pick any of the Pixie songs off the album Doolittle, that would be too easy. <gasps> so I just left horror. them off my list. But Man. a lot of interesting things happened in 1989. Of course, we had uh, Tiananmen Square. We had the Berlin Wall coming down. Uh, a lot of things going on at that time and a lot of great music also. It was a golden year. Yeah, it was pretty tough to pick. Yeah, talk about the honorable mentions list for me. That's going to be long. And uh, it was really broke my heart to leave some of the bands off. I got 22. I don't know how many I had, but probably right around there, Bueno. Yeah. I probably had just about 20, 22 that songs that I could have put on the list, but I, I kind of whittled it down to five to the songs that I remember listening to and really enjoying and songs that I still listen to today. Yep, yep. me too. I was Same probably about a, a top 40 or so, and there is a couple tracks that I'm like, ah, oh, I hope Bueno picks this one because you know it, it pains <laughs> yeah. me to leave it off. So. Uh, kind of the same thing. I was feeling with you guys too the same way. Well, we'll see if we have any crossovers. There's got to cool. be at least one or two. There's got to be. There's going to be one on my list, I know. All right. So who goes first this week? Is it me? Greg, I think it's you. Yep. It is me. All right. Well, let's kick this off. Top five songs of 1989. And kicking off my list is a band and a song that pioneered the Manchester movement of the late 80s and early 90s. Of course, the Stone Roses released their debut album, and it's regarded as one of the greatest British albums ever recorded. The song, I Want to Be Adored, is one that I hope that everyone at least discovered during the COVID quarantine, because of course, in your 20s, you want to be adored. In your 30s, uh, you'll take being tolerated. In your 40s, you just want to be less hated. And then by the time you hit your 50s, to hell with them, who really cares? But it's still a great song. And then when you get to your 60s, what do you do? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Do you tell us, Bueno? Uh, No, let's go on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this song, I Want to Be Adored, released when UK bands really were on the cutting edge of sound and soul. You know, that whole Brit pop sound uh, the stone roses they were ahead of their time with the 1989 song i want to be adored so for me let's talk about that baseline in the song it's pure mystical minimalistic the song has 17 words but it lands at number five on my list this week 
of the top five songs of 1989. Wow. What a good yeah. pick. Uh-huh. Yes, I wanted to kick it off with a bang. And it bang. does. It's 61, Bueno. I think you would be, you know, like, I want to have a good flow or something. <laughs> something. I want a small prostate. <laughs> something like that. I want a great three-point jump shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, way All to right. kick it off, Gregory. Yeah. Thank you. Who's next? I All think right. it is I, which is I. poor English. But it is I. Yeah. All right. My number five song is the debut single by The Sundays, Can't Be Sure, released on Rough Trade Records in January 1989. I professed my love for The Sundays way back in our Summer Songs episode when I picked their 1997 song, Summertime. And in some ways, Can't Be Sure is the polar opposite of Summertime. Instead, it evokes cold, rainy winter mornings of staying inside, reading books, and pondering life. As the lyrics go, England, my country, the home of the free, such miserable weather. But England's as happy as England can be. Why cry? Good point. Lyrically and musically, it positioned the Sundays as the heir appearance to the Smiths with the crystalline perfection of Harriet Wheeler's vocals set against the sublime chime of David Gavarin's guitar. appear to depict the internal struggle between materialism and the simple pleasures of life, something to which I'm sure we can probably all relate. Living for possessions, money, and as the song says, the perfect behind, are the ideals laid out in the verse, then asking, do you know desire's a terrible thing, the worst that I could find, before admitting, but I rely on mine. Then there's an utterly magical moment where Harriet's voice soars with the line, and it's my life, the drums kick in and Gavarin plays his gorgeous ascending guitar line. Wheeler soon resolves that I can't be sure what I want anymore, but asserts with unwavering conviction that it will come to me later. Foreshadowing? Eh, maybe. The song hit a respectable number 45, but lower than it deserved before John Peel named it the number one song on his Festive 50 countdown for 1989. For a band who chucked it all in and retreated from the public eye in 1997 so Harriet and David could raise a family, Can't Be Sure sounds like a pretty apt summation of the Sunday's career. And this week, it's my number five song of 1989. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. It's a lovely Digging that. I can't be sure. Bueno. So my number five is uh, by a band called PIL, Public Image Limited. Disappointed, you guys know that one, right? Absolutely. Released May 10th, 1989, and you guys want to join me in? So what are friends for? 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 Promises, promises old. Tired, worn out, secondhand senses. One thing with you is certain you're a really sad person. So sad, disappointed a few people. When friendship reared its ugly head. Disappointed a few. Well, isn't that what friends are for? Sorry. 
So Johnny's voice demands respect telling it like it is, his lyrics, and the video is wild. And that green jacket, Johnny, I want one of those. So reach out. I want one. I'll, I'll wear one of those suckers. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I've been hooked since uh, October of 78 when I was 19 years old and still hanging out at that licorice pizza in Reseda with JM. And one day he turned me on to the first PIL record. And man, I've been a fan ever since. And to this day, still love you, Johnny. And that single disappointed reached a... Uh, Number 38, 38 on the UK top 75. That's so disappointing. Your own country <laughs> only got you to 38. Boo-hoo, Johnny. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. Yes, <laughs> we love you here in America. You got to number one here with that song. So disappointed on the Billboard rock charts where it stayed for 13 weeks and reached number one July 29th, 1989. And that's my number five. Top songs of 89, disappointed. Well, that was not a disappointing choice. Not at all. I was just going to say, what a great pick. Yeah. You do have to work on your sneer, though. Yeah. We'll call you. Yeah, the anger wasn't there like what Johnny Rotten is, (laughs) but you are the ambassador of love. I don't have anger. Oi! (laughs) I have anger and hunger. We talked about that last week. No, I got hunger. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, number four on my list of the top five songs of 1989 is off the second and final album from the Fine Young Cannibals, the group that rose from the ashes of the beat. Now, the song was their second single off that album, The Raw and the Cooked. The band already had that number one hit on the U.S. charts with She Drives Me Crazy. But good thing is the other number one hit off the album. And it's a song that pops into your head because it's such a brilliant track, makes your body move. When something good is happening in your life, I always think Fine Young Cannibals, good thing. It's another one of those timeless songs from the 80s that was 0% controversial. There was no swear words, uh, 0% auto-tune, 100% talent. It's a song you can listen with with your kids in the car. And, uh, you know, I just think it's a great song. Pressure from the success of this song, Good Thing, and the album, The Raw and the Cooked, killed the project for Rolling Gift at the time. So there was never a follow-up album. So be grateful for what we got. And I'm grateful for the fine young cannibals in Good Thing, number four on my list this week. Inspired. Very much so. Beautiful thing. Good track. Good Motown bounce to it. I was like in the piano. It just makes you happy. If you're feeling down, put on good things. And you're like, well, I'm happier now. Every little cell in your body. Did Roland Gift do anything after that? He acted a lot. He acted a lot. And then in 96, I guess they recorded a song. But I just, I think that he was a hired gun kind of a singer. Yeah. And I don't know. I kind of remember hearing back at the time when it was all that he wanted to be more of an ownership in the band. And the other two guys were like, nah, well, you know, let's just do it this way. And like I said, the pressure from making another uh, album as big as this one. And songs like She Drives Me Crazy and Good Thing, I think it just weighed on him. And that's when he kind of focused on acting and went a different direction. But I could be totally wrong. We should call him up, see if he'll come on the podcast and tell us if any of that's true. Come on, Rolly. Come on now. (laughs) Pick up the phone. It's not going to be hard to find us. Yeah, just go to Google, put in Only Three Lads Podcast, and there we are. See how that works? It's awesome. Isn't that convenient? (laughs) 
<laughs> Don't even have to use that darn dial thing anymore. No, the rotary dial? Yeah. No. My number four song instantly takes me back to early 1989, ninth grade ASB leadership class. I remember a few things very specifically about the class. What were you the leader of? It was, uh, it was our school leadership. It was ASB. So one of everything. It yeah. was very advanced. I yes, know. I'm I trying to figure it out. It was very advanced. It's way too advanced for me to figure out. So, <laughs> Well, the first memory I have sounds a lot creepier than it actually was, but indulge me for a moment. <laughs> for some reason that I can't recall, the ASB faculty leader, Mr. Wilcox, came over to my house one day. I don't remember why. And wound up hanging out in my bedroom. <laughs> He pulled a Mr. Hand on you? <laughs> of course, that would never fly nowadays. But he spied a copy of my double album collection that I had sitting out called Disco Dancing, which is a great comp, by the way. But it had a hype sticker on it declaring that it was a twin set. Now, the cover featured a very buxom woman in various disco move poses. And Mr. Wilcox saw the cover and he said, now that's what I call a twin set. Oh. Again, it sounds creepy now, but but it really wasn't at the time. All right. The second memory of that class was a lively Mr. Wilcox sanctioned debate between the girls in the class over who was hotter, Michael Hutchins or Bono. And just for the record, Michael Hutchins won for hotness, but it was determined that Bono was the better singer. I probably agree with that. I don't know. I'm uh, not buying into that uh, one. Yeah, me either. What? The, which, which part? Both Bono? Or the- <laughs> okay. I think well. Michael wins on both sexiness and singing yes huh but that's just me that's my preference everyone can have their own all right well i'll cast your vote back 30 years ago joshua tree really ruined it for me with you two and i'm still holding a grudge wow so that pretty long grudge you're holding right now yeah (laughs) (laughs) i will never forgive you bono yes what happened to october boy war it went to november (laughs) joshua tree comes out I found what I'm looking for. Well, where'd you put it? You know, come on, Jerry. I mean, come on. Don't whine to me. Gosh. Jeez. Oh, I wish he'd come on our podcast. Oh, I love it. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Well, my third memory, and more to the point, was sitting in the back of the class next to Nancy Sherman, who now listens to O3L. So if you're listening to this episode. Hey, Nancy. Nancy. And we waxed ecstatic about our mutual love for XTC's brilliant new single at the time, Mayor of Simpleton. So that's my number three. There was a point to all this. There was. <laughs> Effortlessly melodic and lyrically clever, it's kind of a 1989 update of Sam Cooke's Wonderful World. You remember, don't know much about history, you know, etc., etc. Basically saying, hey, your friends may think I'm a complete moron, but I know I'm completely devoted to you. First of all, let's point out that it's obviously non-autobiographical because Andy Partridge is always the smartest, most clever guy in any room. It's rather comical and an amazing writing device how the narrator uses such eloquent words and turns of phrase to describe how stupid he is, or at least is perceived. No mere dolk come up with a line like, if depth of feeling is a currency, then I'm the man who grew the money tree. So we're on to you, Mr. Partridge. The second fallacy is the line, I don't know how to write a big hit song. You do know how to write a big hit song, Andy. It's just that the simpletons out there sometimes don't get it. 
Structurally, it's deceptively simple and Beatlesque, with the verses alternating between C and D before deviating in the chorus and bridges. This differs from a lot of XTC songs, because often, if you think back at it, they go to places your ear doesn't naturally expect them to go. In Mirror of Simpleton, the melody follows the exact path that you want it to go, and that's a good thing because it's an absolute earworm. Also, listen intently to the detail of Colin Moulding's bass. It's truly incredible. So this one goes out to Nancy, to Mr. Wilcox, and to all of us who ever felt less than adequate, XTC's Mare of Simpleton. And that's what I call a twin set. I call that a very intelligent pick. <laughs> there it is. Really? I knew XTC and that song was going to end up on someone's list. Well, I said I it thought was there was going to be a crossover. It was one of my honorable mentions. It made my list, but it didn't make even close to the top five. But... What a great song that is. What a great song. And we should probably maybe go online and take a look what Mr. Wilcox has been charged with since you were in high school. Because I'm sure there's some sort of criminal. Uh, let's talk about who's the sexiest and best singer. Okay. So I'm sure well, at least let's hope somewhere. not. Yeah. Let's hope not. Yep. He was a good not. dude. Uh, he yep. sounds fun. Yeah. All right, Bueno. Bueno. All right. So, you know, Mr. Wilcox, we don't want him driving anywhere. So my number four is Don't Crash the Car by Mary's Danish, released in 1989. And, you know, when when I heard this song, this just was an incredible song. And now when you hear it, people go, I know that song, but the band, I don't know anything. Who is that guy? Who is that band? Who's that singers? You know, and uh, I bet you, Brett, you could actually name that song in, what, two and a half two notes maybe you hear that i'm probably you know, four four okay terrestrial radio definitely missed this one playing back in the day except for 91x and k-rock you know led by two dynamic female singers gretchen seeger and judy ritter they are just so beautiful showing off their incredible talents and their voices so hot in Los Angeles in the late 80s. Last time they actually appeared somewhere was in the House of Blues in LA in June of 1999. And I dig this song. I love this band. And if anybody's never heard this whole record, their first record that this, well, this one came out on, it's an incredible piece of work. And that's my number four top five top songs of 1989, Don't Crash the Car Tonight by Mary's Danish. I'm going to look that one up. I probably heard it, but I'm not 100%. Yeah, you heard it. It's yeah. one of those, yeah, you may not recognize it by the yeah. name of the band. Yeah, see, that's Harry, exactly you know, that's it. it. Yeah. 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 Very cool. How's the beginning go on that, Brett? Dun, 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 dun. I'm not going to try to do that again. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, sure. It sounds exactly like it. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was it, too. <laughs> this week, we're taking a look at our top five albums of 1989 here on the Only Three Lads podcast. Make sure and make it over to our uh, Facebook page and make sure and give us your list of your top five songs of 1989. Of course, last week we were taking a look at our top five albums that should be in every alternative collection. And Kimberly Brown, our friend over there in Vegas, she didn't put this in any numerical order, but her picks for that one was Mark Allman, The Stars We Are, Yaz, Upstairs at Eric's, Tied with Alf, The Baby's Anthology, which I have, which is a great, great band and a great, great Oh, you didn't like that one, huh? Uh -huh. ABC, The Lexicon of Love, and Duran Duran, their debut. Duran Duran, that was her list of the top five albums that should be in every alternative collection. 
Okay, well, sweetheart, four out of five ain't bad, you know? Yeah, four out of five ain't bad. Yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, uh, one third of us uh, likes the babies. So, hey, that's awesome. Stick around. We're going to continue with our list coming up after this. Or is it 33 and a third? So we're going to have to cut you into that third. If you could find the knife, let's do it. <laughs> All right. If your idea of a hot date is sweet talking Surrey in the bathtub, no thanks. I'll pass. Pervert. You need a serious classic alternative infusion. Only three lads. We are very pleased to announce the winner of the O3L Scavenger Hunt contest. Mike Basso correctly found the 10 artists, songs, and albums in past O3L episodes and has a stylish new Only Three Lads t shirt coming his way. We will have more giveaways in the future, or it's a great way to show support for your favorite podcast by clicking on the Shop Now button at facebook.com slash only3lads, and new designs are on their way. Congratulations, Mike. Now back to the show. Greetings, my excellent friend. Thanks for sticking around here on the Only Three Lads podcast. I am Uncle Greg. We have the PhD of music, Brett Vargo, and we also have the ambassador of love, Bueno. Who's trying to find a plastic knife to cut Greg into a third right now. <laughs> it's going to take more than that. I mean, like we're talking exacto knife, you know, big one. Yeah, <laughs> you, you got to cut through the bone. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and then my, my head. I, I can get you a long list of people that will say that I have a thick head and uh, it's made of stone. So. And a longer list of people that want your head on a platter. <laughs> oh, Probably boy. that too. Probably oh. that too. This week, we're taking a look at our top five songs of 1989. What an interesting year. Already, we've heard our honorable mentions because there's so much great music that came out that year. It's like when we first said it, I wasn't even aware of all the great songs that came out in 1989 right before the 1990s. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of stuff, a lot of great stuff. So we are at number three on our list this week. And my number three is from an artist who has famous movie star brothers, Chris and Sean Penn. Of course, it's Michael Penn. He was a member of the L.A. band Doll Congress before he released his solo album, March in 1989. That was the name of the album, not the month that came out. But the debut single, No Myth, Everyone Knows, made him a one-hit wonder. But his later releases still brought critical acclaim for his song craft and this is one of the guys who i was lucky enough to drive around all day one day because he was doing a show for 106.3 the edge and so i got to drive him around i drove him picked him up from the airport drove him to his hotel picked him up for the show drove him back home after the show never asked about his brothers what i wanted to talk to him about was music and boy does this guy have just he is probably I don't know. He's a lot like Brett. He's like the PhD of music. And I remember the one thing that he was always talking about. And he was still, to, to this day, I think if you know of anybody who has old RCA tubes, because that's what he used to like to record through, get a hold of Michael Penn. He wants them. At least he wanted them there. This was probably sometime in the 90s. But uh, I would say that uh, I'm, I love this song, No Myth. Anytime you know, it comes on, you, it's, it's another one of those songs that right away you know what it is and who it is. And it takes me back to a special place of just great music. And uh, gosh, you can't go wrong with picking Michael Penn. My number three this week of the top five songs of 1989. Excellent pick. 
Yes. That's a great song. March is a great album. Free For All is a great follow-up. And it didn't get the radio play, but it definitely no. got the critical acclaim. Yep, it sure did. I didn't really uh, follow him much after that. I should catch up with Michael Penn. You should. I think you would, <laughs> especially you, Brett, you would really yeah, enjoy it. I do. Schoolhouse Rock has taught us so much over the years. It's taught us such valuable lessons as taking us to Conjunction Junction, which, of course, made us ask the question, guys, what's your function? Yes. <laughs> yes. I was thinking, I'm just a bill. I'm only a bill. They made politics come to life with I'm just a bill. And the most important lesson for us here at Only Three Lads is, of course, that three is the magic number. So for my magic number three, it is the magic number. Huh? I'm talking about De La Soul's track, the magic number from their classic debut album, Three Feet High and Rising. Three, that's the magic number. Three. It's the magic number. Somewhere in this hip-hop soul community Was born three mates dubbing me And that's a magic number The mere fact that the hip-hop trio built this jam off the schoolhouse rock segment is a dead giveaway that De La was not your average rap group. This is part of the genesis of alternative hip-hop, conscious rap, cut-and-splice sample culture, whatever you want to call it, it's brilliant. The rhymes are laid back, smooth, and positive, representing, to quote another De La song, a change in speak. The samples are eclectic and on point from Johnny Cash and Led Zeppelin to the Fatback Band. And most importantly, it's a whole heck of a lot of fun. If I were rating it on American Bandstand, I would definitely say that it's got a good beat and you can dance to it. Obviously, Mace, Dove, and Postanoose make up the magic number of the title, but due credit goes to their pioneering producer, Prince Paul, who taught us that hip-hop was more than James Brown's funky drummer and other familiar breakbeats. Three Feet High and Rising is a desert island disc for me, so I could really have chosen any number of tracks from this record, but obviously, I've got the O3L posse at Bueno, Uncle Greg, and me, and three is the magic number. That didn't even come into my mind, but what a great pick. Yeah, yeah thanks. Yeah. I like De La Soul. Nice. And also, um, around that time, Diggable Planets, they had that song, mm-hmm. Rebirth of Slick, which I still listen to. I love that song. And Q-Tip, what was the name of the rap group he was in? A Tribe Called Quest. Another one yep. that I yep. just, like, yep. at, at the time, I was too, oh, that's rap. I can't listen to it. But then you go back and listen to it and go, wow, I mean, the storytelling and the things that you learn, even if you can't connect with it, with your experience, you at least learn what other people's experiences was. And that's what yeah. I love about that rap about that time. You know, now it's a few years ago, it's just all crystal, you know, huh, yeah, yeah, you know, and <laughs> that's fun. You know, it's fun, but it doesn't teach me anything. But at least yeah. with Diggable Planets and with a Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul. Wow, I remember that all over MTV. Yeah, that whole native Great tongue thing. scene, it was really, I mean, it was relatable, right? It wasn't singing about gang banging or whatever. I mean, it was just. Well, gang banging came after because, well, that was like 88. Remember, uh, you know, well, yeah, uh, NWA. NWA yeah. And then they yeah, kind of yeah. kicked that gangster rap. Which is off great. I, I love that. I love NWA. I love Public Enemy. But Daylaw, I mean, it's just spreading that message of, of love and positivity. But you got to be very careful driving around with NWA pumping in your car. And you don't want to be yeah. rapping the words along with the artist, you know. Uh, you know, it's fine if uh, Ice Cube says some of the words that he says, but if you find yourself saying them, you yep. may just get jumped. Yep. So be careful. True. All right. Bueno. <laughs> All right. So my number three is uh, by Martin Gore. 
released June 12th, 1989, Compulsive. You guys know that one. This song is just completely amazing. I mean, finding the right words to completely explain how great this song is. His voice is, is so breathtaking, it gives me chills. And when I was listening to this with my headphones, I mean, it just, to me, I shut my eyes and it was like Depeche Mode almost. It was so yuck, yuck, yuck. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Charms in limited supply And refusing to stretch That indefinable nothing Somehow keeps pushing you he considers himself not the most prolific songwriter, but he definitely outdid himself on this masterpiece, and he's incredible, and that's why it landed as my number three this week on Only Three Lads Podcast, Top Songs of 1989, Compulsive. Just got to hear that again. Oh my god, I, just incredible. I listened to probably three or four times already this weekend. <laughs> ah. just, I love it. It was from like a like an EP, like mini mm-hmm. album, right? It was, what was it? I want to say it was Compulsion, but I could be... Compulsion something or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. With like a couple small letters following it or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Let's so, go to the judges. Are we going to accept Compulsion? Ding, 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 ding. Brett, you're right once again. Good job. Was I? Okay, good. No, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying I believe you. And it's close enough. It's close enough for government work. And it's close enough here. I'm the only three left. No, it wasn't. great. I don't think. Wait, was it? Hang on. Yeah. Let's see. Counterfeit. Oh, it was on counterfeit. Counterfeit. Come on, C. You got the C right. Uh, Look at that. And that's off the top of your head. That's pretty good. Man, it's damn good. Yeah. This is a great song. So that's why that landed where where it is. I'll take the walk of shame, guys. (laughs) Hold your head up high, now. <laughs> Heck, I pulled something out of my hat from last week. It was 1973, and what happened? All right, well, runner-up this week on my list of the top five songs of 1989 barely makes the list, and that's because the album Deep was released late December 1989. Of course, hits the yeah, godfather of goth, Peter Murphy. Most of us know him from Bauhaus, but... The mainstream discovered him with this song, Cuts You Up, that returned him to the more aggressive alt-rock sound that was the trademark of his early band. Cuts You Up topped the modern rock charts for seven weeks. You couldn't escape this song back in 1989, 1990. Uh, And I could name this tune in one note. It's a one of a song that never gets old for me. It's timeless, haunting, a treasure. The song inspired many young people at the time. And if young people listen to it, like Julian, if he listened to this song, I bet you that he would be another young person that would let themselves feel their feelings after hearing this song. That's what Peter Murphy did. And of course, Cuts You Up was that bridge that filled the gap between the 80s new wave and 90s grunge movement. So Peter Murphy, Cuts You Up, number two this week of the top five songs of 1989 for Uncle Greg. Love that song. Just that whole start of the song. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what's coming. You know, it's awesome. But Master Brett, I mean, I, he probably can pick it off in like 
quarter of a second. Exactly. Nah. <laughs> you guys give me too much credit. We're going to have to find out maybe one day. Yeah. Play Name nope. That Tune. Yeah, we should play Name That Tune on Only Three Lads. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> well, Greg, my number two pick is the lead track from the debut album by the band who arguably owned 1989, at least as far as the world outside of the U.S. was concerned. It's hard to fathom just how massive and influential the Stone Roses were in those days. (laughs) And of course, their influence on the baggy Madchester scene and Britpop is immeasurable. So my number two choice is I Want to Be Adored. The song, as Greg mentioned, builds slowly with Manny's insistent bassline punctuating an eerie atmospheric collage. Then John Squire's psychedelic guitar noodling adds texture, and then Rennie's pounding drums explode through the haze. Almost as if he were possessed, Ian Brown, he repeats the mantra over the course of the five-minute track. I don't have to sell my soul. He's already in me. I want to be adored. It sounds like a confident command and a desperate plea at the same time, to the point where Brown gets manic. You adore me. I want to. I want to. I got to be adored. You It's an anthem that for many represents the point where the Roses transformed from simply a great guitar pop band to the rock saviors destined to take over the world. Of course, that never quite happened. They came darn close, but I Want to Be Adored certainly sounds like they were going to make that happen at any cost. One of the most dizzying opening tracks to any album and a great single in its own right, I Want to Be Adored is definitely adored as my number two song and Uncle Greg's number five song of 1989. Two crossovers so far. Double crossover. We've been double crossed. Uh, Double crossed. See if we get the triple. Get the hat trick. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right. what's your number two? So my number two is a very intelligent pick uh, crossover with PhD Brett, uh, Mayor Simpleton. Released January 1989. (laughs) What can I say? What he didn't say, but Andy really outdid himself. The lyrics are amazing in the video. Them doing outtakes of the Avengers. I don't know if you guys yeah. have seen that. It was pretty, yep. pretty awesome. And Andy and Colin and Dave—they're just so perfect together with their vocals. Makes this song so much fun and so filled with love. I mean, written by Andy, produced by Paul Cox, hit number 42 in Canada, number one here in the U.S. You know, I was digging the last couple of XTC records, but when uh, Oranges and Lemons came out, bypassed them both, and love this record, and that's why it crash landed as my number two this week. Top songs in 1989, The Mayor of Simpleton, XTC, baby. You know, one of my favorite parts of that video is towards the end when it goes through the credits and it says, you know, Mr. Partridge would like to thank, I forget if it says would like to thank his family or just would like to thank, and he he lists out all the characters of the Partridge family. Oh, (laughs) I'd have to go back and look at that again. Sense of humor. Yeah. Definitely. Tongue in cheek, that lad. He's such a cat. Hip, hip. (laughs) 
Yeah, I love his different hats that he puts on and everything. I mean, just yeah. the way he produces himself is amazing. Well, looks so. like we're almost there here on the Only Three Lads podcast. We're going to be t- uh, revealing our number ones. Will there be any other crossovers this week with the top five songs of 1989? And one thing I'm seeing on the Facebook page a lot are people asking for links. We're so easy to find. You can find us on Facebook. You hit notifications. You hit like every Tuesday morning. Our PhD of music, Brett Vargo, does a great job putting all this together. Puts it out every single Tuesday morning. You have a new episode. So make sure and get there. Hit those notifications. Please share them. And again, if you have trouble finding us and you're not really sure what platform to go to to hear the podcast, all you need to do is go to Google, put in Only Three Lads Podcast. Bang, we're right there. There's all kinds of platforms, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Apple, the iHeartRadio app. We're all there. And if you do have one of those smart speakers, all you have to say to your smart speaker is play the Only Three Lads podcast since we're on Google and bang, there we are. Let's say it nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Say please. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely say please and do it with love. And, you know, also when, you know, that thing that you carry around now all day, people, you could just look at that thing and go, Only Three Lads. How easy is that? I mean, come on now. That is easy. Does it ever leave your hand all day anyway? Yes. Okay. Yes, <laughs> well, just wondering. And if it does, <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Greg, he's talking about your phone. Yeah. Oh, okay. I feel better now. Phew. Thought we were going to go in the gutter again. We were not going gutter. <laughs> oh. All right. Stick around. Our number one's coming up after this. You may recall the Grey album by Danger Mouse, where Jay-Z's raps from the Black album were mixed with tracks from the Beatles' White album. This time a producer named Spose has taken the acapella raps from the Black album and mixed them with instrumental tracks from the Smashing Pumpkins career. The unofficial collection is called Marcy Projects and the Infinite Sadness, and even coming from someone who never listened much to Smashing Pumpkins, it's really good if you have a passing interest in either artist. Google Marcy Projects and the Infinite Sadness to find it. We are back on the Only Three Lads podcast, where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. We have made it to our number ones, the top five songs of 1989. And we've already talked about some of our honorable mentions. Some of mine, of course, Depeche Mode, Beastie Boys, Hey Ladies, that came out in 1989. So just some of the songs that just missed my list right there. Personal Jesus was the Depeche Mode song. All right. Well, Brett. Get what the timer ready. Mentions? Here we go. Morrissey last famous international playboys out of Kingdom of Rain, New Order, Round and Round, U2, Dancing Barefoot, Erasure, Stop, Michael Penn, No Myth, Howard Jones, Everlasting Love, The Ocean Blue, Drifting and Falling, Stan Ridgeway, Lo- Lonely Town, Going Southbound, Love and Rockets, So Alive, XTC, Mayor of Simpson, that was one. Shouldn't have been on there. I forgot to remove it. Uh, <laughs> uh, audio Dynamite Contact, Nine Inch Nails, Terrible Eye, UB40, Where Did the Love Go Wrong? Uh, Primitive, Sick of It. Furs, House, uh, Jesus and Mary Chains, Head On, Smithereens, Girl Like You, Faith No More, Epic, Squeeze, Is It Love, and Rose, I Said. Wow. It's an honorable mention mention list. I had a lot of those on my list. (laughs) I I did have The Ocean Blue. I had uh, The Replacements, I'll Be You, The Cure, Love Song, Pixies, Here Comes Your Man, Primitive, Sick of It. And then the song that I am guessing is going to be your number one, so I'm not going to say it, Bueno. It's one that I was hoping you'd pick because it pained me to, to leave it off. Okay, cool. All right, well, let's talk about our number ones because right. my number one song of 1989 is one I didn't even discover until I was at the Scuttlebutt. That's a bar on the 32nd Street Naval Base in San Diego. 
a song that created a movement that mixed synth-driven electronic music and blended it with heavy metal guitars, helping launch the industrial rock genre into the mainstream. Of course, it's Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails, but Head Like a Hole is the song I'm talking about. That's my top song of 1989. The album Pretty Hate Machine at first had a moderate success. Then Lollapalooza 1991 got Reznor and the album and the song noticed on a larger scale it went triple platinum the song head like a hole if released in 2020 would still be ahead of its time it makes you think you know what uh it might be a good idea to put a stripper pole in my living room because it's that sort of song like i said i didn't discover it until 91 it was early 91 and everybody was starting to buy doc martin boots and all this stuff and i'm like what is this song but it was just hypnotic i loved it industrial metal music wouldn't be anything without nine inch nails and the song head like a hole and it's still so relevant for today it's not even funny but it's one of the reasons why it landed at number one on my list of the top five songs of 1989 nine inch nails head like a hole yeah Inch nails. Ah, okay. Love that. Song. I know. See, Brett's like, a, I know. <laughs> I know. Like, no, I, I, I saw them in one. 1990. Yeah. Did you? He said his ears were burning. I saw them opening for uh, Jesus and Mary Chain. Yep. Well, well, I saw them in like 94 when they were going out uh, with Marilyn Manson. They That's when oh, yeah. Brian Warner was the lead singer of the band Marilyn Manson. And I remember I uh, was at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Closer was the big song that came out. Um, and I just remember after Marilyn Manson was done, Brian Warner was walking around the crowd, just like enjoying the show. He wasn't even that famous yet, but I remember seeing him. Oh, that's the guy who was singing that band, that first band. And then uh, watching Nine Inch Nails. If you have epilepsy at that time, you didn't want to go to that show because the light show was just, it was off the charts. I mean, I had to shut my eyes and just listen to the music because it was uh, it was very busy. But what a great show. It'd give you a migraine. Yeah, probably. Like yeah. I said, it was like too much for me and yeah. I don't even have epilepsy. So the poor people who did probably there were flopping like a fish. But it was like, oh man, it was just not, but it was a great show and it's something that I'll always, always remember. Well, hopefully those afflicted with epilepsy had the sense to stay home from that yeah. show. Well, or just shut your eyes, put on, you know, blinders and listen okay. to the great music. It was always fun. All right. So Brett, you're number one. Well, my number one has a lot to answer for. As it kicked off my obsession with this particular artist and really spurred my transition from listening mostly to classic rock and oldies radio as a kid to alternative radio. The song is, I know this is going to be hard for you guys to believe, but Veronica by Elvis Costello. Oh, no, really? Not hard for me to believe. (laughs) For those who maybe haven't been following us from the beginning. Okay, so I'm going to lay it out very quickly here. The Beatles are my ultimate lifelong musical obsession, and Elvis comes in second on my list of musical heroes. I've mentioned in past episodes that my earliest Elvis memories as a very young kid came from being slightly frightened by his album covers in the racks, but really started to pay attention when he started writing with Paul McCartney. I'm pretty sure that my first 13-year-old Beatle nerd reaction was, why is Paul Why is Paul lowering his standards by writing with that creep? <laughs> that was how I sounded at 13. 
Then I heard the first release Fruits of the Pair's Labor back on my feet, which was on the B-side to Paul's 1987 single Once Upon a Long Ago. From there, any reservations I had were quelled. I thought Back on My Feet was Paul's strongest song in a few years, probably since his Tug of War album, especially lyrically. So when additional tracks from their partnership were released, you'd better believe I was anxiously and intently listening. So Veronica was the next track to be released in February 1989 as the first single off of Elvis' Spike album, and it exceeded all expectations. One of the great pop singles of the 80s, it boasted a sparkling Beatlesque melody, multi-track vocals by Elvis, and Paul playing his Beatles Hofner bass, which, believe me, was a huge, huge deal in 1989 because he had not broken it out for many, many years. Plus, the cracking band was made up of T-Bone Burnett, Mitchell Froome, Ben Montench, Jerry Murata. You couldn't ask for a better session band than that at the time. When you look deeper at the lyrical subject matter behind the pop gloss, however, the song is actually really touching and sad. The song was inspired by Elvis' grandmother, Molly Jackson, who suffered from Alzheimer's. Veronica sits in the favorite chair. She sits very quiet and still. And they call her a name that they never get right. And if they don't know nobody else will. Her Catholic name was Veronica. The song flits between present day and flashes of Veronica's past, capturing the pain of the character's affliction and the bittersweetness of finding yourself trapped inside of your own memories. As a single, it slotted in nicely on both alternative and album-oriented rock radio, yet it was out of step with the times enough to sound completely refreshing. And it gave Elvis' biggest American hit, sailing to number 19 on the Billboard Hot 100, number 1 on the Modern Rock Chart, and number 10 on the mainstream rock chart. If you're interested in exploring the McCartney-McManus songwriting alliance further, the songs were scattered between Elvis's Spike, Mighty Like a Rose, and all this useless beauty albums, and Paul's Flowers in the Dirt and Off the Ground, but absolutely essential is the deluxe archive edition of Flowers in the Dirt, which features a disc full of the duo's demos. But as far as 1989 songs goes, it doesn't get any better for me than Veronica by Elvis Costello. We knew that was going to be your pick. I know. I know. I know, I know you knew. <laughs> <laughs> and the enthusiasm. I appreciate that. And that's how number one should be. That's one thing you'll always get from me. I'm exactly. an enthusiastic lad. Especially when it comes to Elvis Costello. <laughs> yes. Well, of course. Mildly obsessed. <laughs> All right. Bueno. Lay it on us. So what do you think my number one is? Do, do, yeah. do, 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 do. Is that love? Huh? No, no, it's not. So this no. was released Pure. in the 1989 album Cosmic Thing. What? B-52? And it's the B-52s. It's not shack. the Lightning Seeds? No, because oh. the Love Shack. If you see a faded sign at the side of the Ah, there you go. Yeah, I threw a curveball at you guys. So, uh, released in June of 20th, June 20th, 1989, produced by Don Waz. This was the comeback song after the death of uh, Ricky Wilson in 85. This is considered the band's signature song. You know, it's been a staple in their concert release and actually 
reached number two in the UK charts, number three in the US, and also became a top 20 hit in Belgium, and of course, the Netherlands. And Love Shack's best track from the, they're saying, from the disappointing uh, cosmic thing where, yeah, whatever music and media. <clears throat> so many great tunes on this record you need to re-listen to it cosmic thing deadbeat club rome bushfire channel z junebug good clean front from one of the most productive eccentric bands and the wild dance party they always put together on all their music and could get you dancing in any room any time of the day 24 7 365 forever and that's why the b52s love shack in my big gold car crash landed at my number one this week, top songs, 1989, The Love Shack, B-52. Rusted. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for picking that one, because it didn't yeah. make my list. Because I was a big B-52s fan. They disappeared for a while, as you said, Ricky Wilson. Yes, uh, he sir. died of AIDS at the time. They said he died of cancer, and then they apologized for saying that, because, of course, in the mid-'80s, you know, the, the AIDS thing was so, I guess it was out of whack. People didn't even know what to think. Remember, they uh, yeah. used to think that uh, if you used the same fork as somebody after it was washed, you were, you know, yeah, you, you were got a death sentence. That's not AIDS, that's COVID. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's the new one. But uh, it looks like the B-52s, I mean, I'm really happy. Because I remember when that, I first saw it on MTV and was like, they're back, they're back. Yeah. And then they got huge. And then I was so happy for them. Oh, Fred's voice Finally. is just amazing. He's just, yeah. Distinctive. There's no one who sounds like the B-52s from 1978 all the way to today. Yeah, not even close. They have their own sound. Wow. So what a great list I think everybody had. I mean, 1989, we just proved, was a great year for music. Yep. And crossovers. And there was one person I wanted to bring up, another honorable mention that he did not get mentioned, but this song, I think, could have made a list. Lou Reed, Dirty Boulevard. That Mm, came out in 1989. That was a great song, too. And I was like, ugh. I wish I could pick them, but there's too many other great songs that had meant more to me than that song. But what a great yeah. song. Yeah. The New York album just got the super deluxe treatment, too. I think like six discs. Wow. Oh, See, yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. So now that it comes out with disc where you can get like vinyl and cassette and mm-hmm. you can get downloads. As long as you have physical music, I think that's what's so awesome is that uh, if you lose your phone, sometimes, I mean, now that you have the cloud, but if you lose your phone, you can lose all your albums. But this way have physical music i think that's still the way to go for me but i'm an old guy so you're here you're here you're like sure whatever greg all right so uh let's go down our list once again of the top songs top five songs of 1989 and number five for me stone roses i want to be adored a crossover with mr vargo number four fine young cannibals good thing number three michael penn no myth at number two for me this week peter murphy cuts you up and my number one song of 1989 nine inch nails head like a hole all right i had number five the sundays can't be sure number four xtc mayor of simpleton number three de la soul the magic number number two the stone roses i want to be adored the crossover and number two no, number one, Elvis Costello, Veronica. And you forgot to name my crossover. And so. your crossover too, XTC. Yeah, so my number five was uh, Public Image Disappointed. My number four, Mary Stanish, Don't Crash the Car Tonight. Number three, Martin Gore, Compulsive. My number two, XTC, Mayor of Simpleton, Crossover with Master Brett. And my number one, the B-52s, Low Shack. Awesome list. Love it. 
all the way around. All right, let's hit that randomizer, see what we're talking about next week. Okay, guys, you ready for a kind of special episode? Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Is oh, it, no? Is it, is it it's Yoko not Yoko Ono? Ono no. it's, yeah. it's not Yoko Ono. Okay, I'm just wondering. <laughs> it is, however, our first single artist episode, oh. the top five Depeche Mode songs. Oh. Almost impossible. Yeah. <sighs> Be hard. Well, okay. Well, sorry, Richard. <laughs> I don't pick your song on that one, but <laughs> top five Depeche Mode songs next week. That's what we're going to be going through. And make sure to get to our Facebook page. Tell us your top five songs of 1989. And if you so choose, you can give us your top five Depeche Mode songs. That's going to be a tough one. It's episode 36. That, that will be episode one. 36. Wow. Indeed. We're getting up there. Yeah. So anything else you guys got to say before we go? Thanks for hanging out with us for episode 35, and we look forward to the next one. Thanks for listening. Yes. Just thank thank everybody for, you know, listening to us, and uh, we want to keep sending the love out there. So everybody stay loved and be bueno. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.